Welcome to Real Estate Stories. On today's episode, we're going to take you inside a live event from Fathom featuring our top teams from across the country. This day and a half teams mastermind focused on building a successful real estate team. You're going to hear from Fathom's founder and CEO, Josh Harley, who keynoted the event and talked about the four different structures of teams that we're seeing across the country. You know, one out of four agents are part of a team currently right now. So teams continue to grow in popularity. If you're thinking of starting a team or already a team leader, you're going to want to listen to this episode. Also, we've prepared a team readiness guide for you, a series of questions to evaluate if you're ready to start a team or if you've already started a team to identify what areas you need to focus on in building your team. You can find a link to that download uh, in the comments for the episode. So enjoy and thank you for listening in. This afternoon, I want to talk about what the future holds for teams. And what's one of the really cool things about being in my position is I get the opportunity to talk to hundreds and hundreds of agents every single year. Uh, and I talk to a lot of agents who either have teams or think about building a team. And one of the things a lot of those agents ask me, especially those who are thinking about building a team, is what does the future hold for teams? Or better question is, are teams the future? And I think the best way to answer that question is to look at our past. Now, I was not an agent prior to 2000. In fact, I wasn't an agent prior to really 2007. So, but I have had an opportunity to talk to a lot of very seasoned professionals, people who have built companies over the years, who've been in the business since the 1970s and, and so on, and ask them, you know, what did the team structure look like? So my first year in real estate, I built a team. And I had to kind of learn as I went. I kind of made it up as I went. Uh, and so I was asking people, what, where do teams come from? What, what did the landscape look like? Where are teams going? And what was interesting to me was that really before the year 2000, the concept of teams is very different than what our concept of teams are today. How many people here have been real estate agents before the year 2000? Quite a few, actually more than I thought, okay? So before the year 2000, the idea of team was really, for the most part, an agent who has uh, maybe some support staff that's helping them with marketing or with administrative tasks. Or the other idea of a team was really two people that partner together as more of a partnership. But what we see as teams today are often 13, 14, 15, 30, 40. I've seen teams with 100 people on the team. Like That's nuts. You know, so that the concept of teams is changing. And so prior to the year 2000, I think it's important to understand, to ask the question, where are teams going? You have to understand the past and where we came from. The reason I want to share this stat right here is the fact that this concept is very new. There's still no one who's truly an expert expert in teams, and we're all kind of making this up as we go. A lot of great books out there. I think Gary Keller wrote a fantastic book uh, around kind of the team structure. I know it's competition, but I think it's, look, give credit where credit's due, it's a fantastic book. I think that's one of the first books we saw out there that really started to define, you know, what the structure of teams could and should look like. But moving forward until, unfortunately, more, this is not working for me. Recently, right now, 26% of all agents are on a team. How many people here are surprised by that? 26% of all agents are on teams. Not that many people were surprised. I was surprised. That's one of every four agents on a team. I mean, it shocked me. But that's, that's growing every single year. I'm seeing more and more agents that are building teams, starting teams, or partnering with other people. 
if you break down that 26%, if you look, the, old, the original concept of teams, I think the granddaddy of teams, the two-person partnership, still makes about 29% of all teams. So 29% of 26% was about, about 7 or 8%, Marco. Is that bad math? 20, 29% of 26%? Come on. My CFO should be able to answer that. <laughs> it's about 7 to 8% of agents are still that partnership. So almost, you know, 1 in 10. 35, so what I'll ask, actually, that's the question. How many people here are on just a two-person team? So, so not that many. I want you to look around at the table. So, okay. How many people here are on a team that's three to five agents? It's a much bigger group of us here, okay? That reps about 35% of all teams are teams that have between three to five agents. How about six to 10 agents? How many people have teams of six to 10 agents? Okay. So about 20% of all teams are six to 10 agents. And then 5% teams between 11 and 15. So any 11 to 15 here? No. Not a hand. All right. Now we're going to mega team size, right? So 16 plus. Anyone's got 16 plus? One, two, same team or different teams? Together. Okay. We have one in the room that has 16 plus. So now we start getting to that realm of kind of the mega, the mega teams out there. But I thought there was a really interesting stat because you, you start to see the, how the landscape of teams is changing. More and more agents are joining teams, especially in markets like this. And we're going to talk a little about that. As agents get more and more pinched, one of two things happens. Either they get out of the business or they seek an opportunity to join a team that can help mentor them, coach them, or feed them leads. Right? So we start to see uh, more and more teams grow out of market conditions like we're moving into now. For Fathom, 22% of our agents are on teams, but here's the most fascinating part is that they represent 33% of all transactions. So just over one out of every five agents, right, about 20% of our agents are on teams, representing 33% of our transactions. That, that's pretty incredible. So I think that, that speaks volumes. That's why I think teams are the future. I think where more and more people are moving towards is that team structure, supporting each other. The next question I hear agents ask me all the time is that, what is the best team model? Now, I think a much better question that they should be asking me is not, is not what the best team model, but really, what's the best team model for me? I think it's a much better question. The reason it's a better question is because success means different things for different people. Right? You may think success is more money. Someone else may see success as seeing that light bulb go off in someone's eyes as they learn the business, as they become, you know, they, they grow and thrive in the business. So success means different things. So instead of everyone here thinking that that successful team model means more money, understand that that's, again, success is not the same thing for everybody. So one of the things I've learned over the years is that, at least to my opinion, and of course opinions are like, you know, sometimes they stink, my, I believe that there's four types of teams. Type team, first type, come on, is partnerships. Right, that's two agents bringing together a partnership. Another is fellowship. I'm going to talk about each of these, right? Teams that really come together for camaraderie. A mentorship, teams that are built all around coaching and training other agents. And the last one is lead gen. That's how I built my team. So when I, when I built my team, my team was about 12 agents, or actually 12 people, uh, really eight producing agents and the rest of support staff. We closed about 300 homes per year. But that was all built around lead generation. And so, you know, each, each of these different models are different for a reason. Now I'm going to talk about each one of these. The first one being partnership, right? Each of these models, there's no really one model that's better than the other. 
uh, and it really comes down to what you, what brings you the greatest satisfaction. So the first being partnerships. The pros, of course, is that you have the, the encouragement or the accountability that you're looking for to help you thrive in your business. Uh, one of the things I try to encourage all agents, regardless of whether team or not, is when you come to meetings and you meet other agents, invite another agent to coffee or to lunch. Start building those, re those relationships, those friendships. Start thinking about them like accountability partners. Meet once a week or so for coffee. The one of the great things about partnerships is that's built in. You don't have to do that, right? So you have that built into a partnership. Um, one of the negatives that I see often is over time, those partnerships can turn into resentments and divorce. So a lot of times what I've seen happen in that scenario in partnerships is that one of the two agents will, let's say two agents come together closing 10 and 10. And over time, one of the agents will grow the business to about 20 and the other agent's still at 10. The resentment starts to set in when that agent that's now bringing in 20 deals realizes that they're only profiting off 15. And so the resentment starts to build and eventually ends in divorce. What I found from successful partnerships are partnerships that instead of trying to be, you know, two agents with the exact same profiles, find two agents that are different. You know, your strengths are someone else's weaknesses and their weaknesses are your strengths. I say that right? Strengths and weaknesses, that's the idea, right? That, that's what really makes those partnerships work. Therefore, it's no longer just about how many, how many deals you bring in versus how many deals you bring in, because if that's the issue, partnerships fail every single time. But if it's about the relationships, about accountability, it's about strengths and weaknesses, that's why I see partnerships thrive sometimes for 10 plus years. So that's partnerships, the first one. Second one's fellowship. This one actually surprised me a little bit. How many people have kind of a team built really around the community more so than training, lead generation, or a partnership? Anybody? One? Okay. So there's not a lot of these, but actually it surprised me how often I do come across these. This team tends to be around community, around accountability, um, and really it's more around camaraderie, right? So again, the fellowship. So they come together, they, sometimes they share an office together, they have fun, they laugh, they go out to drinks, right? They, they share life, they share each other's wins, they mourn each other's losses, but they're really there to lift each other up. What I've experienced, what I've seen with this type of team is sometimes you have higher turnover because the team members start to ask, what is really the value exchange? Is it really just about friendships? And if so, why am I paying a 90-10 split or an 80-20 split? One of the things I didn't put on here is sometimes when it's just around fellowship, sometimes you, as a team leader, you can charge lower splits. You can't charge as much because you know, the value exchange is not there. So that's fellowship. Not a lot of teams exist like this, but they do exist. Uh, but like I said, I see a lot of turnover in those teams. Mentorship is the next one. I see actually a lot of teams built around mentorship, built around bringing people in as the team leader, coaching and loving on people, helping them grow their business, either as a brand new agent, um, or as an agent who just doesn't a lot, do a lot of production, is trying to learn. So how many people here do have built a team around uh, more of the accountability, the teaching, the training? There's gotta be, there you go. I knew there's more than that. So probably about 25% of the room is that way. Um, this, is, this is great because in this situation, the, the pro obviously is that it's a calling for a lot of you, right? It's what inspires you, brings you great satisfaction, high satisfaction. The negative is that sometimes you can charge lower income. You have, I'm sorry, you have a lower income potential. Um, one of the things I see, it's actually, it's not your fault. Sometimes it's the agent's fault. What is the value proposition? The value proposition is I'm going to bring an agent in. I'm going to teach you, train you, coach you. But then once you've learned, sometimes they just leave. And that's the frustrating part. And it's not fair. It's absolutely not fair. Because 
as a team leader, when you're spending all your time coaching and training your agents, your production goes down because you're focusing huge amounts of time on them. And then as soon as, as soon as they learn, they feel like they've learned everything from you, that value exchange starts to become diminished, they often leave your team. And how unfair is that? You spent all that time, and then all of a sudden, as soon as they get to where you're finally like, yes, I'm finally getting a return on my investment, they leave. And so that can be very stressful. So the mentorship team model can be very stressful, but also can be very satisfying too. So if your thought process is not all about money, it's about coaching and and seeing people thrive and build a business, something that you can be very proud of, kind of like watching your child grow and leave the house, then that's a fantastic model. I mean, I, I said that to an agent once, like, man, doesn't that hurt your feelings every time they leave? Like, no, actually, I can't wait for them. We celebrate when they leave. So it's really all about mindset. But just keep in mind, it, it's, you have a lower income potential because, again, you're having to pour so much time and energy into other people. And sometimes when they finally turn things around, they go. The last one's lead generation. This is the team model I had. Um, I liked it because I like money. I, I, that's awful. It's true though. If you're in real estate and you're here just because you love people and houses, you're probably in the wrong business. You have to, you have to like money too a little bit. One of the things I hear people say sometimes is that, that money is the root of all evil. Have you heard that? Money is not the root of all evil. That's not what it says. It says for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So it's okay to, to like money. Money gets us things. Sometimes it makes your marriage a little happier because you're not fighting over bills. It's okay. So lead generation is the last one I want to talk about. Lead generation, the pro is, of course, you have greater income potential. You also have, it's much easier to recruit. I mean, imagine if you're generating leads for agents, you've got probably other agents that are, that are hearing about the leads you provide. They're probably beating down your door saying, can I join? Can I join? Can I join? You know, it becomes very difficult because you have to turn people away. Like you want to say yes to people, but sometimes that's the biggest mistake you can make on the lead generation side. So how many people here have a team built around leads that you provide to your team members? It's about 15% of the room. The, the benefit here of obviously is the greater income potential, right? You can actually charge higher splits. When you have a team that's built around mem mentorship, I see most people have like 80-20 splits or 90-10 or 85-15 or sometimes 70-30. When it's built around lead generation, I typically see 60-40 or 50-50 or 60-40 on the other side. So the income potential is actually much higher. And a lot of people think, well, why would someone want to be on your team if you're charging them 60% of the commission, they only get 40%? Because the fact is, if you're providing them enough leads, then it makes sense. You know, the alternative would be to be on their own closing five, six homes a year versus on your team closing hopefully 20 plus homes a year, right? The negative is that there's a much higher upfront cost. It can be incredibly high. One of the things that you may not know for those of you who don't generate leads for your agents is that when you do that, it can sometimes take nine months, 12 months before you go from, there is an upfront high, a much higher upfront cost, right? Sometimes it may, you may spend, for every dollar you spend now, it could take six months, nine months, or 12 months before you see that return on investment. So it's stressful. It's incredibly stressful, especially when you got agents who are just pissing those leads away. Like you send them 100 leads, I see some heads nodding, yep. you send them 100 leads and like, you know, the worst thing to do is just, they don't even bother when you pick up the phone, I'm too busy. Well, then you're too busy for my leads, which you are. Right? But that happens, and that's incredibly stressful. So those are really the four types of, of, of teams. What I want to stress what I said before is that there's no one team model that's really better. It's really what's better for you. What brings you the greatest satisfaction? So while you're here today and you talk to other team members, I don't want you to feel intimidated. If someone has more agents than you or closing more transactions than you, 
the fact is that may not be what's right for you. It's not, you know, again, success is different for everybody. So really, how do you define success? What do you want to take out of this? How do you want to grow your team or just improve your team? And that's what you should be focused on. But I do want to use this opportunity here tonight to really network and share ideas. You, know, you may have a team of two or three agents and you've experienced some things that a team that has 15 agents have never experienced before. So there's some things of value you can bring to, to teams that are sometimes three or four times your size. Vice versa, if you've got a large team, you may have other smaller teams that are trying to get to your size. They want to learn from you. They want to hear from you. And so we want to be able to use this opportunity to not just, again, talk at you, but, but share while we're here. Another question a lot of people ask me is, what does the future hold? Now, I'm not sure if they think I'm a gypsy and just I can read the future. But in, in my position, Marco and I, we, we spend hours every single day looking into the future, reading periodicals, reading for analysts, you know, what do they anticipate? Where's the future going? How's state being affected and so on. And so what I want to share with you right now is kind of what the future holds for all real estate, not just teams. But while a lot of this might be some doom and gloom, I want to let you know right up front that there's going to be some opportunity that comes out of this. So first of all, as we all know, painfully so, that interest rates are up 67% over the last 12 months. If you did not know that, if you've been under a rock, I mean, it's been painfully painful for all of us, right? Home prices are up 15% over the last 12 months, 20% since the beginning of last year. I mean, so think about that for a second. Interest rates are up, home prices are up. It makes it very difficult for home buyers to buy. It also makes it very difficult for home sellers to want to sell. On top of all of that, you've got inflation. Yay, right? Inflation's costing the average household $3,000 more. That means the average household, that's potentially between five and 10% of their take home, they're paying you know, in other in extra expenses. I think the, the report came out yesterday, we're up almost 10%, 8% is what they announced, but really it's close to 10% when you look at everything, including housing. That's massive, that's a massive inflation. So those three things will make it very painful, very difficult for home buyers to buy, for home sellers to want to sell. So what does that ultimately mean for the market? It means that home sales are expected to be down 9% over the next 12 months. That's a big drop. To add insult to injury, NAR membership's up 15%. I don't know if you know this, but right now, NAR membership's 1.56 million agents. That boggles my mind. So what does that mean? It ultimately means more agents fighting over a smaller pie, or potentially smaller pie, right? At least for now. What I want to share with you is that that, that market creates opportunity. So hard times, negative things create opportunity for those of us that are smart and willing to invest. So as, as, the, as the dictionary defines, now we my reading glasses on, opportunity is defined as a combination of circumstances or a chance for greater success. I really do believe there's incredible opportunity coming out of this market. So let's look at agents, agents especially let's look at focus on the last housing bubble and the, the, the housing recession. So housing bubble is really 2005-2006. The housing recession was 2007 through 2011. Really what, just how long it took to finally come out of that housing recession. That's a lot of years, five years of pain. How many people were agents from the beginning to the end of that housing recession? 
So quite a few of you. Of that group of agents who are here, how many of you actually closed more sales by the end of the recession than the beginning of the recession? Almost the same number. So let me show you why that was. 2007, again, let me go back. 2007, 1.34 million agents. By the end of it, 1 million agents by the end of 2011. That's a decrease of 25% in agents. 2007, 5 million homes sold. By the end of 2011, 4.26 million homes sold. That's a big decrease. It's a 15% decrease. But more importantly, agents were down 25%, but home sales were only down 15%. I mean, technically, while in the current scenario there might be more agents fighting over smaller pie, I think what that ultimately translates to is fewer agents enjoying a bigger piece of the pie. But that's not the opportunity I'm talking about. I do, I just want to share that with you first, is because even though we see home sales start to decline, I do believe that as that happens, we start to churn the week. And that's really cruel, that's the Marine Corps talking, coming out of me. But it's okay to churn the week. The agents who close one home a year, close no homes per year, that really aren't serious about being in the business, those are the agents who tend to leave first. Now don't get me wrong, an agent who closes one home a year is not a bad agent. It may be that's what they want, and that's okay. Real estate is one of the beautiful last you know, parts of, the, of, I think, the American dream. You can do whatever you want. You can be someone like me that has no college degree that can make six or $700,000 a year with no college degree. That's incredible. Not as a CEO, as an agent. I did that as an agent. You have that ability. It just really comes down to drive. It doesn't matter whether you're male or female, black or white, does not care. It cares about drive and how hard you're willing to work. And so, so don't get me wrong when I say one agent, that's a bad thing. I just say those agents who tend to churn first. And so we, we'll lose a lot of those agents out of the industry first. So let's talk about the opportunity. I think the first opportunity is to understand that as an agent, as a Fathom agent more importantly, is that you actually net more money per year, per transaction, than your peers do. Why does that matter? Yes. I'll take that. Yay. Yay. I'll take that. But the, the point is this, though. When you make more money, it means more income means greater income or investment potential. So what typically happens in a down market for any business, not just real estate agents, but any business? Exactly. They start to pull back in their marketing. They start pulling back in their expenses. They spend less. They try to go into survival mode. When they go into survival mode, who do you think is the first one to go? They're the first ones to go. So what I want to say is that a lot of agents are going to be struggling because you make more money per sale than they do. You actually, in fact, the average agent who joins Fathom, and I'm not talking about teams, just the average agent saves between twelve dollars to $15,000 per year. That's a big savings. Imagine taking that full twelve dollars to $15,000 per year and reinvesting back in your marketing. How many more sales could you generate? Even if the market went down by 9%, I know from my own experience that every $800 to $1,000 I spend in marketing, I should generate one more closing. That $12,000 could turn into another 12 closings. If I'm closing 12 now and I double my sales, who cares if it went down by 9%? I still almost doubled my business. It's not a bad return. So I think the first opportunity is the fact that you make more per sale, you've got greater opportunity to invest more into your business. More investment obviously means greater market share. And that's what I want you to think about, is while people are pulling back, use this opportunity to double down, invest more, gain greater market share, own your market while they're pulling back. Because at some point, we will come out of this, this recession. I know they haven't necessarily announced a recession yet, but we're certainly getting close. Regardless of what it is, it's still a down market for real estate. And so as they pull back on their marketing, 
I want to see you invest more in your marketing. You've got a team to feed, but I think as, you, as this opportunity happens, you have more and more agents that are going to be hungry to join your team because you have something to offer. So what are the next steps? I think next steps, first of all, right now, while we're here, is to share and learn. While you're here with each other, you have a lot of agents, and we have 130 or so people here that have teams, that are building teams in different ways, have different ideas, have experienced different things in different markets, have had hurdles you haven't had and have, have been able to overcome those. So learn from each other, share with each other, be open. I'm very much an introvert, so it's hard for me to open up. But if you're like me and you're, you are an introvert, which is pretty rare for real estate agents, how many people here are introverts? Actually, more than I thought. Maybe because you make good team, team leaders. But be willing to share, like get out, of your, get out of your comfort zone, share with each other, because the more you share, the more they're going to share as well. The more they share, the more you'll learn, and the more they'll learn. So let's use this opportunity to share, network, and learn. The next thing I want you to do is, is implement. Don't wait until you get back. Start tonight as you, as you learn things. Start tomorrow night. When you're on the airplane heading home, use the opportunity to start thinking about implementing the ideas because what happens inevitably is people get these great ideas, they're motivated, they're excited, they get home, they get back to life for a second, you know, I'll get back to that later. A week later, they've forgotten or they just get too busy with life and then they don't implement. And that's a huge travesty. You spent the time, the energy, the money to come out here. I know Great Wolf Lodge is not the cheapest hotels in the world, right? So use this opportunity to take something out of it and implement as soon as you can. Write down the ideas and, and execute. Next, once you've had the, once the, those ideas have been implemented, invest. Don't be afraid to invest. Don't be scared. Right? Be brave. Be fearless. Invest the dollars to build the team, to strengthen the team, uh, to really set yourself apart so that way as the market shifts, you gain greater and greater market share. And the last one, obviously, at the end of the day, is to own your market. What I'm most excited about about teams, especially with Fathom, again, 22% of our agents are on teams, yet they represent 33% of our transactions. I think over time, and I've talked to a lot of people who believe the same thing, by the end of this decade, I bet you it's going to be closer to 40 to 50% of all agents are going to be on teams. Now, I might look back and be totally wrong, but that's, that's what a lot of people believe to be true. And I think I believe that as well based on what I see. I can't tell you how many agents I've talked to you know, that, that I'm recruiting or people call me just want to hear about Fathom that tell me that they're thinking about team or they already have a team okay so again take the opportunity to share to learn to implement to invest and to own your market so with that thank you <laughs> <laughs>